Welcome back to Firewall. As usual, I am your host, Bradley Tusk. With me today are two people that are getting pretty familiar to the listeners, Chris Coffey, Chantel Smith. Uh, guys, thanks for coming back. Um, they're sharing a microphone, too, so it's like this is going to be sort of a comedy of errors that Chantel's already laughing. Thanks for having us. Your they're, turn. They're, your they're, turn. They're, there we go. Glad to be here. Yeah, this yes. is going to be a great podcast. Um, all right, so y- y- you guys are sort of New York political experts, in fact, two of the most foremost political experts in the state of New York. So uh, give me your initial takeaways. Chris, I'll start with you. H- how did you feel about last night, and had, what was the outcome compared to what you expected? Well, Dems had a good night nationally, right? If you, had, if you had made this offer to Dems before the night started, everyone would take it. In the state, they won the big prize, right? The governor won, attorney general won, lieutenant governor, uh, comptroller all won. But they lost a bunch of these house races, got wiped out in Long Island. Um, we'll see how Hudson Valley plays out. They probably win one on Hudson Valley but lose the other two. Um, lost a couple of state senate seats, lost a few assembly seats, did not do well in the city uh, some Republican turnout in the city higher in Brooklyn. Um, so kind of a mixed night overall, not great for the state party, state apparatus, but a good night for the governor. Chantel, what's your take on it? I think this was a bad night for the state party. I think that, you know, unfortunately, before the election process started, before redistricting, New York was seen as a place where the House could get wins. We did not get any wins. In fact, we flipped some seats. And I just don't think that... It was the election night that I think many of the people I know thought it would be in New York. Uh, I think Dems showed up in New York City, but you know we have to figure out why we lost Dems in Long Island and the Hudson Valley. We have to figure out why the state legislature did well. Even though they did lose some seats, they still are, it seems like they're going to keep or be close to keeping the supermajorities but why the congressional candidates did so poorly. I don't know if it's power of incumbency, where the legislature had incumbency, and the House races were open seats, but I do think that's something that people should look into. Yeah, I mean, it's right. So nationally, Democrats sort of held serve reasonably well, right? Is it that the New York State Democratic Party is particularly incompetent, and that's why they did so much worse than their other 49 peers, or like, I can't think of anything specific that happened here that would, on the congressional side, like if you said to me, okay, crime is really bad in New York City, and that's what resulted in these losses, sure, but then that should have been reflected in all kinds of other races outside of that, the House, and that we didn't see that, right? And that should have been reflected in Chicago and L.A. and Philly and all these other places, and we didn't see well, that. But, but, yeah, there's no New York Post in Philly in those places. If you, if you read The Post for the last three months, The Post is the second biggest newspaper in the state. A lot of people read The Post, not just in New York City, especially in Long Island, especially in the Hudson Valley. If you read The Post, the sky is falling. Right. I mean, someone called me today who I respect and said this was a New York Post election um, where all of these seats were were basically wiped out. It wasn't just the Post. You had super PACs run by Ronald Lauder spending 14, 15 million dollars. That was the great equalizer in in parity over spending. Everyone thought Kathy Hochul would have this giant spending advantage. And it turned out that headed into the last eight weeks, it was fairly even. And not just that. Governor was running on kind of a nuanced message. The Republicans message was very, very simple. Bail reform bad, Albany corrupt, Alvin Bragg out, I'm going to redo Buffalo Stadium. That was the message. It was like corruption and crime. And the Post and Zeldin in tandem scared the hell out of a bunch of these uh, communities. And I think that's what you got last night. I think we have to look at there was no ground game for the state party. 
I'm a triple prime voter. I got no mail. I barely got text messages. No one came canvassing. No one did door knocking. No one did phone banking. Maybe these traditional forms of campaigning are not as effective. And maybe that's what the state party thought. But I don't think there was a lot of movement in getting people out to vote. Now, I think the governor did a a campaign where she did more TV ads, and that worked for her. But I don't think those types of ads or those types of campaigns work for House pe people in the House or congressional candidates or state legislator cam candidates. I think people need to go back to traditional campaigns, and I didn't see that in New York. So what, what were they doing? TV. I, by the way, I didn't get any mail. No. I didn't get any door knocking. I didn't get any digital. I didn't get, and I, you know, I talked to people during the election, before the election, tri, you know, triple prime dens, black voters, white voters, gay voters, mm -hmm. straight voters. Like, I don't really know anyone who got mail. They said they did mail. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I don't know where that could have gone. Um, they did a lot of TV, um, and they spent heavily on TV. Um, and you know, who knows? Maybe that's what they should do. But there, but there was it certainly did affect well, some of those. Definitely downloads. not what they should do because a the results weren't there, and b I guess what what I yes we're in this weird period right now. I was I was talking to a, a candidate last night about this um, who won, in that knowing how to spend the money is a little harder than usual because TV is still wildly expensive. So you're still paying for you know let's say you're advertising in the New York City media market. You're paying for access to 20 million people, even though you're only trying to reach a couple hundred thousand, or in some cases, you know, 20, 30,000. Um, and yet the efficacy is way lower because, like, you know, yeah, I guess really old people still watch the news and um, there's some sports, but, but other than that, like, I don't know, I don't watch TV as commercials and I don't think anyone sitting at this table does either, right? So if the efficacy of TV is way down, and then they're not doing GOTV, which seems like the fundamental thing that Democrats are supposed to be good at. Um, like, literally, what what do they do all day? Well, so I think there was a rift that I don't know all the between the state party and the county parties, which I don't think is that unusual, but and, and the governor. And I don't think you would have seen that. I don't know that you would have seen that. If Cuomo was around, he probably just would have fired everybody, right? So I canvassed on Sunday in the Hudson Valley uh, with the kids. Uh, and so we're there, and they said to us, Josh Riley, you know, he's your, you know, here's some lit for Josh Riley. Here's the script. Once you get through here, hit Michelle Hinchy, who's running for state senate. And I said, oh great, but I also want to do Hokel. Like, can I get some Hokel lit? And they were like, Hokel lit. We don't have, we don't have any Hokel lit. And I was like, oh no, there must be some Hokel lit that I can pass out. What about like a Hokel script, which I didn't really need, but I was just kind of asking. And they said, no, no, no we're doing Riley Hinchy, the assembly candidate. Um, and I was like, how about a yard sign? We have a yard, I can do a yard sign. They were like, we might get them tonight. This was Sunday. I was like, tonight, you're gonna get them on Sunday night for the election? So I think there was some you know, dysfunctionality between the state party, the governor, um, and I don't know how much of that is Cuomo related, right? Like a lot of the people working at the state party were put in by Cuomo. Jay Jacobs, who runs the state party, was put in by Cuomo. Yeah, but the governor, the governor could have gotten yes. rid of Jay Jacobs and people called for Jay Jacobs to be ousted, what, right before the election season because he said something inappropriate last year and people wanted him out? Yep. Yes. So, I'd be a little surprised you, are you, are you if he keeps that his there job was, right now. Jay Jacobs deliberately sabotaged the campaign to aid Andrew Cuomo? I don't think so. I mean, listen, everyone thinks that Cuomo wanted Zeldin to win, right? Yeah. So I mean, Cuomo would, could would Cuomo back. deny that? He, he says he voted for her. He says he voted for the governor, mm -hmm. um, but he has to say that. Um, he says he did not vote for Tish because of their thing. Um, I don't think that it was intent. I don't think that Cuomo sabotaged the state party. I do think you have 
people at the state party who are Cuomo people, they're not Hochul people, um, and the Hochul people did the best job they could given the circumstances. Um, I wonder whether some of those people today should be fired. They should be fired. <laughs> um, all right, so now let, let's jump. We were going to go easy on people. Remember, <laughs> yeah, we were like, we're going to go easy is, on people. It's no, fine. You should, you should no, no, when- no, because 2020, Jay Jacobs did not do a good job with the state party, and then we give him two more years, and we have the same thing. And like, that's the definition of insanity. At some point, get people who reflect the state and can get the vote out. So. Albany, uh, we go back in January, pretty much the way it looked before, right? You, maybe, maybe you just under the supermajorities in the two chambers now, yeah. but but basically the same thing. Um, does the election result in any policy changes and any kind of major positional changes? Does the DSA get a little quieter? Like what, or is it just exactly business as usual? I think it's business as usual. Uh, we lost some moderates in the Senate. But if you you saw that the seats that they did gain, the the candidates weren't as moderate. They're more progressive. I think the Senate's going to be business as usual. I think the the um, assembly is going to be business as usual. I think the governor may change because I think she went way progressive when she thought that Attorney General James was going to run for governor, and then you saw her modulate a little bit during the campaign. But I think she's going to go back. To, she's from Buffalo. She's a moderate Dem. So I think she may try to be more moderate in her policies. I just don't know how the legislature is going to react to that or be receptive to that. I feel like someone was really smart that was quoted in the Times today. I have to go back and look at the quote, but I think the quote was about Kathy Hochul being Kathy Hochul. Um, and I think this, I, I, I was quoted in the Times. So in case really? you didn't see you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No so, one would have guessed no, no, that. No, no. He loves the- uh, so what I think, you know, the, the best part of this election for Kathy Hochul is now she can be Kathy Hochul. She, um, the supermajority, the more progressive things were, the more her margins were, the harder in some ways for her to be where she really is, which I think is, as Chantel just said, she's a moderate from Buffalo. That's who she's always been. Um, She didn't start this election. You know, she started, I think, further to the left on a few of these big issues than she actually is. And having a five point night last night uh, combined with a few losses on the legislative side would make you think she's going to be a little bit more moderate, pro pro business and maybe a little bit more moderate. But the problem I have with this is that the people who helped the governor win were the progressives in New York City. So basically, and this is a common like problem that Democrats have, you use the Democrat progressives to get you elected, and then when it's time to govern, you go back center and you forget the people who got you elected. In October, when it was when the like polling was closing in, it was the progressives and labor that went out for the governor. So now January comes, she's gonna be moderate, and it's this is why we have this disconnect between the progressives and moderates, and we as Dems just can't figure it out. Well, yeah, I mean, I would also argue it was the progressives that got her into trouble in the first place. If she hadn't, if, if she had, if she had done what she wanted on bail reform, she would have had fewer fewer problems. But, um, but I, but but but, and I also, you know, I distinguish between progressives and labor. I think she's going to be great for labor. I think. Um, she'll do, she will be as labor strong as she can be. I don't know that she, if you think about the real kind of far left progressive um, reforms, it's harder for me to see her doing some of those. If, if I, I don't really know her at all, but you guys do. So if you said to her and she was just being totally honest, you can govern to position yourself best for another electoral win in 2026, 
or you could govern for four years in the ways that you believe to be right, and you may or may not get reelected, you may not run for re-election, but you'll actually feel like you did something. What, what does she pick? Um, well... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think she is, listen, she's a, she's a politician. So I don't know. I think most politicians that I've ever met, um, I think she would certainly say the right thing. She, she would say, I'm going to do what I have to do and let the chips fall where they may. I don't know that politicians have that gene. Like, I don't know that it's conscious that she wouldn't necessarily do that. Um, and I'm not saying she wouldn't. I just mean they kind of lose that gene. Most of them lose that gene. And so they end up doing what they need to do. And I think, you know, you saw her in this election, as Chantel just said, she, she started the election thinking that Tish James was her big threat. And she was further to the left. And by the end, you know, her right. big threat was actually Which would all sort of argues for then, you know what, fuck it, just do whatever you want to do. Because... The, the things move so fast today and things are so tumultuous that you can try to game shit out the best that you want. Four years is too long these days. You have to say like, oh, you know, I, I'm going to pass these laws and promote these people and do these things in 2024 and 23 and whatever it is to position myself for 26. Who the fuck knows, <laughs> right? And as a result, why not just do whatever you want? Um, I mean, to me, that's a liberating argument. Of course, I'm not a member of a party in the first place, so maybe that explains why. But like, any, do you see her team adopting that approach or is just politics as usual, nothing else? I don't know who her team is going to be after this election. So, A, I think she's going to look at everything. I hope she looks at everything, her team, campaign team, state party. I think when you say just do what you want, it's easy to say that, but she has to depend on two legislative leaders to get her initiatives passed. Remember, the governor does not pass legislation, she just signs it. So she can want all the moderate things she wants, but if she can't negotiate with you know, the speaker and the majority leader, she's going to have egg on her face. I think she has a good relationship with the leaders. And I think there's going to be some type of powwow in December. Where are we going? It's a game. And like, I think... Andrew Cuomo found this out in 2019. It's a game. So, you know, I'll do this, you react, and you figure out how to meet in the middle or come up with a solution. Hopefully everybody remembers that this is a game and they do what they need to do. But I don't think you win when you just do whatever you want because at the end of the day you end up changing because you need the votes. Are they real with each other in that room when they sit down in December? Are they like, shit, this is what we got to do, man. We had a tough, you know, we, this was good and this was bad. And we got, or is it just like all bullshit? No, they're tough. Like, I just want to be very clear. Kathy Hochul is a tough woman. And she will tell you what she thinks, how she thinks. Like, you know, I think people think when there are women leaders, they're pushovers. I've seen the leader be very strong. I've seen the governor be very strong. And I've seen the speaker be very strong. In that room, there's 10 people. And like they say what they want and what they need. But then after you say that, you have to figure out a solution. All right. Nationally, um, I assume that you guys are both you know, partisan Democrats, so you were generally re relieved or happy. Um, with with the results, why wasn't it as bad as expected? I wonder who won the office pool. I think I might have won the office Maybe pool. Maybe someone who's quoting the yeah. New York no, Times no, no, today. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I think I got George. Chris, give everyone your Instagram yeah. and Twitter so they can like you yeah. and follow you. So you I think I got the yourself. office pool. I'm, I believe I got. I said Hochul by five. I said Dems would win the state, the Senate seat in Arizona, Georgia. Uh, Pennsylvania. Georgia decided it's to not, but it's, it's going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be okay. And I said they were going to lose in Nevada, which I think, unfortunately, they're going to lose in Nevada. 
Um, and then the House, I think, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I said it was going to be really close. Republicans were going to win. Um, so listen, the Democrats had a really good night. Um, good night for Joe Biden. If you go back and yeah. look at 2010, even Barack Obama got shellacked in 2010. Bill Clinton got historically shellacked in 1994. Donald Trump definitely got shellacked in 2018. So what? So what explains it? I think it's a good question. I mean, people, it, it's so much more, it's so much more partisan now. The Trump, I think Trump explains some of it. There's mm -hmm. still that um, real deep-seated anger and fear of the folks who want to overturn the election and Roe v. Wade. And it's just crazier now. It's harder for Democrats. You know, I know people who are dissatisfied with Hochul, but who went in and voted for Hochul because they just couldn't vote for Republicans because it's just too much. And I think you have some folks in the middle who 10 years ago, 20 years ago, in 2002, sure, you vote for George Bush because of 9-11 and move on, where now they're like, I can't vote. I can't cross parties. I can't do it. Um, and I think there's some of that. What about the president just being great and passing good you know, legislation with his colleagues and just I thought the Democrats in other states were real serious, and I thought that they knew that this was a, they thought, based off the pundits, it was going to be a red wave, and I think they busted their ass to make sure people came out to vote. And I think they had good candidates. You know, I think Republicans, I don't want to say the word, I'm trying to figure out the right word. I think Republicans try to be too cute. They had tokens, they had all these different types of people, but I think the Democrats had good candidates, and they really tried to just get the vote out and do what yeah. they were supposed to and, do. And they were good candidates, by the way. I mean, there yeah. were a lot of good candidates, right? And, and to your point, Chantel, because we've been talking about this in podcasts before, which is approval rating and election results may no longer be all that correlated, right? Cause, I agree with that. Because first you said, cause you said, well, what about Biden? My first thought was, well, he has a 43% approval rating, so of course not. But you know what? Maybe they're just totally uncorrelated, and at this point, um, even if people, they're never going to approve of whoever's in power because people are fundamentally unhappy, but they still have to vote for somebody. Exactly. And within the context of choices they have, especially when one side is putting up total nuts, um, all of a sudden, you know, the uh, it, it, it's we're, we're, we're in a world of extremes, right? We're in a right. world where everybody speaks an extremist language, everyone runs into their respective corners, everyone hates everyone who isn't exactly like them. Um, and we throw out whoever's in power because, you know, we think whoever else, you know, some, someone else will always be better, right? But then yesterday, in many ways, was sort of a rejection of that and saying, yeah, but. I still don't want a lunatic like Herschel Walker um, in, you know, in the U.S. Senate, or I don't want Trump's candidates, or whatever it is. Or Dr. Oz, yeah. like who doesn't even live in Pennsylvania. Well, by the way, we'll have to see um, Arizona, which I think is a real, Arizona's a really interesting case, because that, that woman, Carrie Lake, who's running for governor, is a crazy person. So she, you know, I watched some of her debates, and she was really, really out there. I mean, really, really out there. Arizona should have gone Republican. Like, the all intensive purposes, there's more Republicans. Um, it's really hard for a Democrat to win in Arizona, although Biden barely carried the state. Um, but in an off year, it should be going to Republicans. Um, and it and it looks like Mark Kelly will win. He was a good, solid senator that people liked in both parties. It looks like he'll probably win. But the really no one had Kerry Lake losing. Kerry Lake was ahead in all the polls. Um, and it looks like it's a very close race, but she could lose. And if she loses to the Democrat, who also ran a terrible race, it's a repudiation of crazy people. No offense to crazy people. And so <laughs> I mean, offense, if, if maybe. you're um, so if you're looking forward to the presidential, Last night, good night for Joe Biden. If he says tomorrow, I'm in for 24, which he's kind of savage, hasn't formally said it. That sort of ends the chatter with everyone else, I imagine. Um, DeSantis beats Charlie Crist, 
you know, d decisively in Florida. Trump's candidates don't do that well. Um, do you see that as sort of a, a red flag for Trump in a, in a Republican presidential primary? I mean, it's definitely a red flag, whether it means anything. Like, it's it, it is clearly, it, if they were thinking rationally, you would look at the board and say, this might be tough. I understand there's people, according to Maggie Haberman, pushing him to delay an announcement. Um, that admits some weakness. Um, you know, it's high stakes for Democrats. The best thing in some ways that could happen for Democrats is Donald Trump runs again. Of course, he could fucking win, excuse my language, and that would be it's like the, the worst risk. possible thing. Yeah, it's not worth it. Um, so, because DeSantis is just like a more competent, less insane... Nah, he's just as insane. Um, like more more like Latinos vote for him. So that's, you know, that's a problem. Miami-Dade last night was called like that, an area yeah. that Hillary won by like X points. The early vote went for the Republican last night. I don't think Hello. Florida's really like at play for Democrats. Definitely anymore. not. Just Cle like Pennsylvania's not really at play, I don't think, for Republicans. And I think we just need to stop with the traditional this state could be or right. that we state. We at least could finally be. stop with Ohio. Yeah, to like to it's a Republican stop. state. Like, that's it, right? I'm tired of hearing Didn't Obama Ohio. win Florida? I know it was ten years ago. No. But did he? Didn't. I think he did. No. He definitely won well, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I can't remember. Whatever. Um, now, if you're Trump, at least one school of thought would be you announce as quickly as you can, like today, to get out ahead of a DOJ indictment on January 6th, because then it's easy, a lot easier to frame the indictment itself as, as completely political. Um, I would imagine that staying out of jail is his number one motivating strategy, whether that's running or winning for that matter. Um, do you think it's, I mean, Chantel, you're a lawyer. Do you think, think it's realistic that he gets indicted? No, I'm not a lawyer. In case, any, in case anyone didn't know, but you were I'm quoted in the New York Times today. You, you, you won the office pool <laughs> uh, only because pool. I did not yeah. participate in the office pool. I'm just going to put that, that later. There. But anyways, um, look, I think Donald Trump is an egomaniac. I don't think it's about jail. I don't think it's about the people. I think it's about Donald Trump. I think he's going to run because when you're an egomaniac, it's all about self. And you don't want to show weakness. He's not going to, he is going to announce very soon. And I think he doesn't care about the Republican establishment because the Republican establishment won't stand up to him. Like DeSantis won't, even, like no one's standing up to Trump. They're like today you see people quietly trying to disavow him or like, you know, distance himself from them. But at the end of the day, Trump is still Trump in the Republican Party. So we've got now, it still seems like what will be a Republican House, even mm -hmm. if not by a lot. A Senate that is 50-50 or, or pretty close, right? And to a certain extent, once one chamber flipped, I was never quite sure why it was that big of a deal what the other one did anyway, because either you have a divided government or you don't, right? Like, well, it's can, not like the House you, Republicans. Confirming. confirming yeah, so no. confirmations. That, that's the one thing, right? The confirmations are the one, which is why actually you would prefer, if you had to lose Democrats one, you'd rather the lose the House, right? But like on any policy issue... It, anything the House Republicans are going to want, the Senate Republicans, you're you going to have to bring them along e either way. Right. Um, but what do you say to this argument, which is last night was maybe a little bit of progress in the sense that we didn't, we kind of repudiated the extremes, and, and that's sort of a good sign overall. But fundamentally, we live in a world with massive cognitive dissonance because... The world on paper, the world statistically, is the best it's ever been by a lot, right? So you start looking at number of people who live in abject poverty, infant mortality rates, life expectancy, literacy, 
all of sort of the key markers, especially, you know, in, in poor countries, and everyone is exponentially better off than they've ever been, number one. Number two, um, we live in a world where probably more people have more rights today. It's still, I don't think we live in a fully equal world by any means, but but nonetheless, and I think, you know, same-sex marriage is sort of the best example of this, although Roe would, would mm. cut the other way, but I mean globally, not necessarily just in the U.S., um, than have ever existed before. So, like, in a way, you could argue people have more freedom and more stuff, more prosperity, less, you know, less terrible stuff than they ever have, and yet it feels terrible. Everybody is miserable, everybody is unhappy, and I guess what I've been wondering about is the same systems of democracy and capitalism that have produced a lot of these tangible goods, whether they're rights or, you know, uh, care, uh, sort of, let's call them people in the hospital, whether they're having a baby, maternal, maternal. maternity care, sorry. Um, I have a flu. Family leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Family leave. Um, for so the, for the, the same the system that, that produced these things also makes everyone wildly aware of what they don't have, right? So all of capitalism is basically bit based on the concept of I'm going to make you feel like your life sucks, and the only way your life will feel better is if you buy this toaster, if you buy this iPhone, if what you buy, whatever it is. Um, so the whole thing is designed to make you feel like shit in the first place. And then when you add in social media, all we see is what other people have that we don't have. Now, whether what they're portraying is in any way accurate or not, different story, but nonetheless, it's what we see. So it kind of feels to me like... The same thing that in many ways has made the world a lot better than it's ever been has also made the world a lot more unhappy than it's ever been. And I don't really see how the two can reconcile. Does that even make sense to you guys as a concept? Well, by the way, if you go back and and look at life before Social Security and before uh, the 1930s, you had a more stark divide, right? The divide was even starker. The rich were richer, the poor were poorer, there were fewer people in the middle. Um, some of those government things have led to, you yeah. know, more stability. So again, Social Security, Medicare, yeah, Medicaid. For sure. um, but there are still such stark divides today, um, and still so many such rich people and so many such not rich people um, that you have a you have a tough a tough world where folks feel like they can't get and by the way now it's harder you know 1950s you could work a job and know that you were going to be solidly middle class work on the factory line and your kids were to go to college you can't do that now you pay, there are no factory lines well you can't do that in the u.s but arguably for every one person in indiana that now doesn't have that kind of assurance that they used to have 20 people in india are now eating Right. Sure, but so, tell that to the guy from Indiana's family. You know, like, that, that's the that's the entire Trump message. But but you guys are communications experts, so your client is to your, is 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 to persuade the world that things are a lot better off than they seem, right? Because from a statistical standpoint, they are by a lot. Um, what's your pitch? What's your strategy? You have to let people know. You have to you have to make people realize that their lives are going to be made better. And so the macro arguments like we're much safer. It's like, "Oh yeah, I just got robbed on the train. I don't feel safe." Right? You can't tell people that numbers are better while they feel their own experience. So, I don't I'm not really answering your question, but I do think the Democrats 
you know, by the way, Democrats have lost the white working class voter in rural America that they used to have. It used to be the backbone of their party. Now, black voters and other, um, you know, some older voters and black voters are the are the backbone of their party. How did well, that and, happen? And affluent white people. And affluent white people, college educated white folks. Yeah. Yeah. How do you get those folks back without replacing the factory jobs that they don't have? Um, and that's the million dollar question that I just punted on. I have no idea. Because I just feel like we live in a society where like everything is in your face. So you talked about social media. It doesn't matter if you say healthcare is better, you know, we just live in a society where it's now, now, now. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I want it, I want, I want. People yeah. don't work up I talk about this all the time. Like back in the day people would get a job and they would like struggle through and move up the ranks. You know, now people get jobs and they want everything when they want it, how they well, want it. That's an employer, I'm well aware of that. You, you know? So it's I don't know if you can make people feel better when you live in a capitalistic society where everything is gimme, 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 I want this, and everyone who has it is showy about it. So if I gave you the power today to get rid of the internet. I would absolutely get rid of the internet. You would. I think it's... You can't put down your phone for three minutes. You're going to oh, get rid of the internet? Uh, uh, pot. <laughs> so, like, oh, um, that's pot in the kettle yeah, of black. Exactly. Right? Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, but as, I don't want to get rid of the your internet. Phone, I just think that the internet has made it bad, where like people can't have conversations. I couldn't come in the office and say, hey, boss, can I speak to you for a half an hour without you looking at your phone? And I'd be like, who are you talking to? I think I work... <laughs> most days I feel like I work for you. I just think I would get rid of the internet. I think it's causing too much of society's harm. Yes, we have more information, but what was wrong waiting to read the newspaper the next day and get your information after people were thoughtful about their analysis of what's going on instead of trying to get the hot take so they can get clickbait and get people interested in what they're totally saying. Right. Totally so, right. So, okay, so we have the FDA, which doesn't like. Please. It's, it's not legal to drink arsenic, right? We Please. don't. We don't allow it. I mean, is there a war? I, I understand putting the reality of politics aside for a second. Okay, if, if we said, okay, let's propose to the FDA that social media is a poisonous substance that has to be banned, um, is there a world where, because you wouldn't want to get rid of all the economic good that the internet creates, right? A lot of the sort of the reason why people have wealth in other parts of the world that they didn't have before because is because the internet, because technology. So eliminating completely doesn't work. And the reality is there are places where people have a lot more rights because of the internet, right? right. Um, and at the same time, maybe it is really a first world problem, but we sit here and I, th yeah, I agree, <laughs> it's fucking terrible. Um, could you try to regulate social media out of existence? Yeah, I mean, listen, one of the places that you see it most prevalent that I do think you could start at, although I'm not suggesting anything, is, you know, you see kids getting bullied that leads to yes. drastic LGBT and other suicides yeah. Suicide around the country because people are body shamed, because people are, are, are sexting or sending photos, and then the photos get around, or they're getting picked on because they of their gender, or their gender choice. Their gender. And so um, that is a place where I think you could get support on limits around 18 and under, um, but <laughs> but easier said than done. And we can barely agree on like we as a country can't agree on anything. So I don't know how you agree on taking the internet or or, or social and saying, hey, we're going to keep 17-year-olds off of social media platforms. So would you, um, if I gave you the power to make New York either state or city, you guys can decide which. Its own country. It's Singapore, it's Liechtenstein, it's whatever it is. 
So that's it. We're self-governed right now. Yeah, I mean, I did a blog post after Trump won in 2016, which I think the only <laughs> blog post I've ever done in my life. Um, what? You can read it. Later. Yeah, I want to tell everyone where they can read it. So they I can see, no, and I actually see don't quotes know. about you. I have you a medium page, and it's the yeah. only. It's the only thing. Also, what kind of gifts do you like? Because maybe the list uh, for Louis you. Louis Vuitton. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I did a blog post that said maybe New York should secede. We have baseball teams. We have museums. We have sports teams. Wait, maybe we New York should what? Secede. That's what he asked. That's what I, I yeah. He asked. Would, no. would, would I don't you? mean the city. You can come too. That's a good question. No. You can come too. I don't know. No, no, no. I just mean, listen, the country, I do think it's a serious question. Which is, the country's kind of tearing each other apart. And if we were just dealing with the folks in our state, like, we'd be fine. You know, I'm not saying that's the answer. But I do think, you know, I would certainly rather that than restrict women's right to choose in New York State because we have some crazy person from, you know, uh, South Carolina running our country, or Florida. Florida is the weirdest state. Yeah, and there's two crazy people down there. That's accepted. DeSantis and Trump are both down there. They're both crazy people. Now I'm going to get, I'm going to have, like, the crazies coming after me. Your Twitter is going to be blowing up. Nothing will make him happier. All right, Chris, how does everyone follow you on Twitter? At Chris Coffee Talk. Yes! Chantel, do you want anybody to follow you? Nope. There we go. All right, Chris Coffee, Chantel Smith, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us.